Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. All right, well, here we go. New series, Judges, Unfinished Business. Yes. Well, I tell you what, uh, we're going to be moving through the book of Judges, and um, for the most part, we will be looking into the lives of some of the judges and gleaning from them. But as we begin, though, in the first couple chapters, we're going to look at the predicament that the Israelites were in. Remember, they've come out of the <clears throat> wilderness and led by Joshua, and uh, they were called to uh, take the land, the land of Canaan, the promised land, uh, and to completely drive out all the evil inhabitants for good reasons. And uh, that was their assignment. But as we begin in the by second chapter, we're already jumping into uh, the, the second generation of who's supposed to be doing this. But we find out that um, <clears throat> they're in this continuing conquest of the land in Canaan. Uh, there were many battles that they did fight, many that were won, but they did fail to complete the conquest. And what we see in the first chapter of Judges, you can read through this hopefully on your own as we go through these series, that over and over again the Israelites did not completely drive out the enemy, the Canaanites. Instead, in many cases, they put them to forced labor. And there were other tribes that they didn't drive out, but they allowed them to live among them. And so if you move into chapter 2, you see where the Lord finally rebukes the Israelites for not completely driving out the enemy and destroying their gods. Remember, it was a total pagan society. They've had lots of opportunities to repent and turn to the God of Israel, but they refused and they continued on in their children, sacrifice, bloodletting, and on and on. Horrific societies. So God gave them a strict assignment and they didn't adhere to it. So let's jump right in. I'm going to jump right into the text here. Uh, Judges chapter 2. And uh, that's where we're going to begin this morning. Verse 1 and 3 and then 10 and 13. And we'll get a picture of what's going on here. It says, The angel of the Lord went up to Gilgal to Bochum and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land. I swore to give you your ancestors. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? And I have also said, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you, and their gods will become snares to you. So you see, as a result of their disobedience, now this is what happened. It says, after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Boy, that's a sobering statement. You have a whole generation that knew neither God nor what he had done. Do you know that we're always one generation away from truth being extinct? As a matter of fact, today in our culture and society, as you look around, you can observe pockets of this next generation that have no uh, fear of God, no regard for God. It's all secular humanism, relativism, and everything-ism. It's tragic that some of our young people right now are caught where truth has become extinct to their very own lives. It says, after the whole generation had been gathered ancestors. Anyway, 
They grew up neither knowing God. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord as a result of that and served the Baals. Baals, 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 that's how some would pronounce it. They forsook the Lord and God and their ancestors and who brought them up out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him, forsook him and served Baal and Ashtoreth. And as you see this pattern of the Israelites from now on, if you read through the Old Testament, it can become quite wearying as you see this continual up and down, serve God, backslide, yo-yo, back and forth, becomes the, serving the gods around them, became snares to them. Uh, they would slip back into rebellion over and over again. And at some point, though, as you'll see in Judges, God would take pity on them. And so he would see their plight and he would raise up another judge, raise up a judge who would deliver them, and therefore they would get back on course, yet it wouldn't be long before they would again fall back and to rebellion, chasing after other gods and all this nonsense. It was a pattern, a constant pattern, constant backsliding. They could not seem to break free. That's why I'm calling this, this uh, message this morning, Breaking Free. And uh, I want to be extremely practical this morning, if I can, to see what this this timeless truth, which is always timely for you and I, means to you and I today. What does it really mean to break free? How do you do that? What were the Israelites? They just could not break free because there were points of compromise, not of fully obeying the Lord in their lives. And it just gives you this vivid picture of those, even today, trying to live their life. Um, but sin and control and stuff... Uh, shackles them. Uh, there's an interesting, which I read in here, it said that they didn't drive all the Canaanites out, but they even put many to forced labor. And, you know, people try to do that today. Believers will try to try to discipline their demon. You know, I'll just keep it in this corner over here, this point of sin in my life. I can contain this. I can, I can keep it caged because, you know, I got this under control. That's, that's a fantasy. That'll never, you can never underestimate hell. And what he will do in your life when you give him one foothold. He will overtake so fast, so quickly. You cannot tolerate the adversary at any level. You can't just discipline it or take it, put it into what we would call forced labor. No, you have to be aggressive with it. You have to repent and kill it. That's what you got to do. You have to go after that thing like it is your darkest enemy and treat it like that. Or it'll overtake you. Now, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, Humans are humans. Um, they haven't changed. <laughs> the, you know, the patterns are the same. Um, we all have, people have personal battles. They have personal temptations and patterns and, and compulsive destructive behaviors and self-defeating de, uh, patterns and self-sabotaging patterns that come in and, and uh, back and forth. And one day somebody's doing really well. The next day they've been drugged to the bottom of the barrel and the dregs and they don't know what happened. They just, they're doing terrible and they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. And they're doing things they don't want to be doing. They had better intentions and good intentions. So how do you free? How do you break yourself free? So we aren't living the past over and over again like the Israelites. This continual cycle. Falling back. Old ways, old habits. Swore I'd never do that again. And here we are again. Back into it. I think I'm speaking to everybody in this room, right? If you're human, this is where we live at times. Israelites, I'm sure they had good intentions. Tug of war, though, they kept being drugged back, disappointing God and everybody else. 
So how do you keep from making the same mistakes over and over again? Why do we do the things we know that are bad for me? Why, why do we do that? I, if we're all honest, I think we would all admit that there are different points in our lives where we felt like that. Why do I keep doing this? Ugh! Things you want to you do, you end up not doing, and things you don't want to do, you end up doing. <laughs> Aren't we a complex uh, people? <laughs> the personality, human personality is extremely complex. Well, you have good intentions, good heart, do the wrong thing, get drugged back down again, failure, guilt, repeats the cycle. It, it can be wearying for the soul. I think the bottom line is good intentions were never good enough. and never can be good enough. Amen? All right? We can have good intentions all day long. Let's take something much deeper than that. Much, much deeper. Otherwise, we get caught in the pattern over and over again where we keep stumbling. Now, uh, it could be anger. It could be fear. It could be worry. It could be lust. It could be jealousy. It could be apathy, envy, uh, un unhealthy binging. It could be so many things. I mean, we could go down the list. The bottom line is, it's destructive to us emotionally and spiritually and physically or whatever it may be. Paul alluded to this in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He says, I do not understand what I do. He was bewildered. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. <laughs> Ever been there? <laughs> well, I'm going to have to step through this pretty quickly here, but I just want to first of all pose some questions. Make us think a little bit. But the first step we need to do is predetermine my pattern of temptation. We can all do that. Because we all have a unique way of, uh, that we live. You have a unique fingerprint. You have a unique palm print. You have a unique eye print. You know that you even have a unique heartbeat and a voice print. That's pretty amazing, isn't it, how God designed us. The same is also uh, true with our emotional and spiritual uh, part of us. There are uh, certain things that tempt you more than others. We all have the same temptations. The Bible is clear about that. No temptation is uncommon to man. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But uh, there, there comes a different way that we temptation may approach us. The enemy may come to us to, depending on our personality, our background, our family history, and everything else. Boy, there's a whole month's teaching on this kind of stuff. But for instance, I'll just use something really demonstrative. I mean, I know cigarettes aren't going to keep you out of heaven. But, you know, that's pretty clear. Um, but let's, I've never been tempted physically to, to have a smoking. I just never was. My parents never smoked, and it just wasn't something that was part of my, you know, immediate family. I just was never there. Although, before I got saved, I got born again at 20 years old, began to passionately, radically, I was radically changed and began to pursue Jesus. Before that, though, if you put a beer in front of me, it was going to be gone. And let me tell you this, I wasn't going to stop at one. All right? That's just, I was, I'm an intense person, all or nothing. You know, work hard or play hard, one or the other. Don't mess around, right? Life's too short. So I was, you know, all in. Uh, that changed when I got saved. But maybe um, for you, that's never been a problem. But maybe when it comes to food, it's a different story. I don't know. Maybe when it comes to credit cards, it's a different story, right? Uh, more than you can handle. Uh, we all have this unique susceptibility to a certain temptation that may tempt us and and maybe for others, it doesn't tempt them. But you know the pattern of temptation. You know where your weaknesses are. We have to be honest about that. 
you have to have an accurate diagnosis or get ready for the same old, same old. Right? And the devil knows what trips you up. Oh, he knows you well. He's watched you and your ancestors for thousands of years. He's watched closely. Knows how to tempt. Knows your pattern. And if you don't understand it or know that, then you're running into battle with blindfolds on. <clears throat> so where are you most tempted? That's a good question. When are you most tempted? Uh, who, are you, who are you with when you're most tempted? What temporary benefits do you get out of the temptation when you give in? Uh, how, how do you feel before I'm tempted? Proverbs 5, 6 is an interesting verse because it talks about an immoral person and it says this. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. <laughs> In other words, you just don't know your pattern of temptation and, and where you're traveling. You're traveling down this path and you're not realizing you're headed for trouble. Lamentations 3.40 says this. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. So you've got to identify these patterns of temptations in your life. Then you can begin to predict the problems in advance and avoid them. Monday mornings, what are they like for you? Maybe that's a bad morning for you. Maybe you're tired and irritated and you get angry easily at people around you. I don't know. Maybe that it's what time of day makes it hard for you in life. Maybe you're more tempted in the evenings than in the mornings. Maybe after everybody's gone to bed, now all of a sudden you're, you stay up and you're way more susceptible to temptation. Um, maybe um, at work. Uh, maybe it's in the kitchen. Maybe you just, certain times you can't go to the kitchen. It's not good. Not good, you know. Or the store. You know, maybe there's certain aisles you can't walk down. Certain places you can't go into. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, I just, there's an old saying out there. It says, if you don't want to get stung, stay away from the bees. A little bit of wisdom in that, huh? Yeah, sure there is. Some are, tempt, some are tempted to walk into a sports bar or on vacation on a beach or at night behind a computer. Maybe that's not the place you're supposed to be. Some are tempted when they're alone. When some, when they're completely exhausted, they're tired, the defenses are down. When they're lonely, when you're around the wrong people, too much pull on you. By the way, let me clarify, temptation isn't a sin. It's when you give in to it. That's the problem. That's when it becomes actionable and sinful. What's the payoff? That's a good question. I mean, let's be honest. Sin can be really fun, right? Sin can be fun. If it was a bummer, nobody would be doing it. If it was the pain of like getting a root canal, nobody would want to be sinning. I don't want to do that. That hurts. But it's not like that. It's short-term fun for a long-term problem, right? Short-term relief, comfort for a long-term problem that the end result is damage and destruction and consequences we don't get to choose. They come rolling our way and they flatten us. What's the payoff? That's a good question. What's the payoff? Sometimes we're tempted because of comfort and relief. Stress relief, right? Some people explode in anger to finally get their relief. Some are bored and they want some excitement so they'll go get drunk. I don't know. Some accomplish something really good. They feel like, now I can reward myself. Let me bend. Get the credit cards. Let's go shopping. All of a sudden, I owe. I owe again. Oh, no. How do I feel when I give in? Do I feel loved, accepted? Do I feel popular? What are the patterns that the devil uses to hook me? The big question is, how do I feel right before the temptation? Boy, we need to pay attention to those triggers. What are your emotional triggers that make you vulnerable? For some, maybe you're frustrated and don't know what to do. 
get tempted to do the wrong thing. Some are tempted because they feel lonely. Some because they're angry. Some because they're bored. So you have to plan to avoid it. This is a good step, a good first step. Plan to avoid it. What's, uh, once you know the pattern you tend, that causes you to give in to the temptation, then you, have to, you do have to make a plan. Aim at nothing, you hit it every time. So Proverbs 4, 25 and 27 says this. Because you're thinking about what are my triggers and what are the boundaries I need to put up in my life. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So this is, this is a call to being really focused and don't be distracted. Christian life does require discipline. Discipleship, that's discipline flows out of discipleship. I remember way back in 2000 when we moved to California, we were there for six years. And uh, we went from Alaska to a very hot, hot climate. Right now it's like triple digits. Our kids live there. And I'll never forget when we first got there, it was so hot. And I thought, I looked around, I thought, people don't wear a lot of clothes here. I'm used to, you know, coats and long sleeve shirts, and now you got all these ladies running around with skin everywhere. That whole, that verse, let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze, <laughs> that took on a whole new meaning for me, believe me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to learn some discipline focus here because this is a whole different culture. Anybody ever been, you know, something that just throws you? And you have to step up. You have to say, okay, when are we, how are we going to handle this one, Lord? It's boundaries and protection. It's guardrails for your life. Temptation usually begins actually with a natural desire. You know that God gave us the natural desire called sex. God is pro-sex. God created sexuality, procreation, all that stuff. It's not evil. It came from Him. That desire is a gift of God. And it's holy, which means set apart and created for the context of a covenant relationship, marriage. Within that protective setting. You get outside of that, trouble. Anything that's a gift of God, the devil wants to attempt to pervert. He's an ape of God. He comes to pervert good things. He wants to, us to misuse it, to corrupt it, and abuse it. God gave us an appetite for food, but that can be abused. He gave us an appetite and a desire to work, but we can become workaholics. Nothing really is wrong with sleep until that's all you do, right? I believe he talks about the slumber, right? When anything gets out of control, it can become damaging to your life. These are God-given desires, but when we're attempted to fulfill them in the wrong way, and the wrong time, it can absolutely wreck your life. All of a sudden, that's all you think about, right? And it becomes a runaway desire. It processes, it possesses your mind. It becomes more important than anything else because you no longer are in control of it, but now it controls you. That's a dangerous place to be. Any desire that's good when it gets out of control, it becomes destructive. That's a problem. It's like a fire in a fireplace in your home. As long as it's in that fireplace, it warms your home and it's comforting and it's good and it's enjoyable. But when that fire gets outside that fireplace, it'll burn the whole house down. And people's lives are being burned to the ground because things have been completely out of control and it controls them. So what are you going to do? How do we, you know, how do we make a difference here? We, we need boundaries in our lives. Once, once you know the pattern that you're used to falling into, then you have to say, I'm just not going to put myself in that situation. I'm going to use a little wisdom here. 
I'm going to use a little humility and realize that I ain't all that, all that. I'm weak, right? Proverbs 4.23 says, above else, guard your heart, because a lot of it is the issues of our heart. Because out of it, everything flows. Want to change something, you've got to look at the heart. Don't start with your behavior, you start with your heart, what's inside you. Uh, you, you, change, you. If you try to change your behaviors through sheer willpower, behavior modifications absolutely do not work. You'll be frustrated and tired. Focusing on your behavior, your circumstances, on the temptation, how you feel, can't control your feelings all the time, you'll be frustrated. You focus on what's going on in my heart. What's inside me that's causing me to do these things? It's a heart examination. It's a spiritual x-ray of the heart. Permanent change has to happen inside of us. That's why when you're birthed into the kingdom, something begins to grow. Eternity begins to, salvation begins to change you from the inside out because it overtakes you and shows itself outwardly. Well, there's a lot of things inside of us that may still be broken that are showing themselves outwardly. Pay attention to that. If we don't, then we become physically exhausted and discouraged. By the way, if you are discouraged and exhausted or pessimistic or discontent or dry spiritually or feel alone or insecure or feel like a failure and all these feelings on the inside, that will make your spiritual immune system real low. Your defenses spiritually will be way low. It's like when you're really healthy, it's because your white blood cells are all firing on eight cylinders and you have a lot of resistance against anything that comes your way, but spiritually we can become depleted if we're hurting or broken or something's going on inside. We can't handle temptation real well. But if you're doing well, you're getting spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy. The Bible talks about you'll prosper as your soul prospers, right? And so then you can have a high spiritual immune system and resist. So you've got to be careful leaving yourself wide open to Satan's attack. You've got to pay attention to your heart. If you don't have much resist- resistance, then... Find out why. Lord, what's going on inside me? How come I'm so easily tripped up? Why do I get mad so easy? Or why do I get offended so easy? Or why do I cave into lust so easily? Or why do I get fearful so easy? What is going on? Was there a hurt? Was there a wound internally? Is there something lodged in me that where I was rejected or abandoned as a child? How was I treated when I was young? What happened to me? What happened to my life? What insecurities were sown in me so young that affect me the way I am now? Why am I so fearful? What is the root? Remember, if you believe you've lived under a bad root for so long, after a time, you, you, you believe it's the truth when it's not. You've got to dig in let the Holy Spirit, the great psychiatrist, the great counselor I talked about last week, begin to come in and to do some heart x-ray. You know what I'm saying? This is crazy because this is a huge six-month topic that I'm trying to cover in 20 minutes, half hour. But but you just have to go after it. Ephesians 4.27 says this, do not give the devil a foothold. That's important. For, he's talking to a spirit-filled Christian believers, Paul is. Sim, you who love Jesus, don't give the devil a foothold. That's a small beachhead. The enemy doesn't try to take your whole life over. He'll start with a little area. That's all he needs. Pretty good example when they try to, you know, put their enemies to forced labor, <laughs> the Israelites. That's what they were trying to do. You've got a little area here. We're just going to contain it. Mm, doesn't work that way. Small part of us, you think you contain it, you're sadly mistaken. 
The enemy will never, the enemy's never satisfied with just a small part, and he is very patient, and he'll wait to encroach further, and he'll find out ways to do it. He won't stop there. A small foothold could be a negative emotion, could be jealousy, envy, lust, greed, fear. I, you could go on and on and on. Rejection, whatever that point is, that's where it begins. These are heart conditions that you can't let slide. You have to go after them. <clears throat> For instance, if you're tired and lonely and hurting, I, I deserve some comfort today. I will do this. You know, these things from the past, if they're not dealt with, that's where addiction takes its root. Because it's, it's, a, it's a one way I can at least get some temporary comfort and I can numb things for a while by taking this or drinking this or getting into this relationship, this co-dependent thing going on. Got to get the root issue. So let's keep moving forward because I'm almost out of time. But you've got to press into God. Pray for God's help I put on there. But in other words, God has got to be in your sights all the time. Matthew 25, 41 says this. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but you know the flesh is weak. Psalms 50, verse 15 says, Call on me in the day of trouble and I'll deliver you. And you'll honor me. Talking about keeping God in your sights. And he's got to be your first reflex. When you blow it, don't wait to blow it before you go to God. When you're in the midst of the battle, run to Him. Run to Him as fast as your spiritual feet can get you there. Get your attention off what's nagging you and on to Him. Because temptation is this. It's designed to get you to forget God just for a split second. Just long enough for you to take the bait. That's really what it's about. Over here, over here, over here, over here, over here. Okay. Oh, I just forgot, Bill God. That's all. It, we must not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. Why, some think, why would God help me? Because you're his child. He loves you. He has a powerful, full life he wants to move you into. And he knows all that stuff is going to try to keep that from happening. And he, he, Jesus said himself, I have come to give you this life to the max. I want you to move into that, your full potential. That's his heart for every one of his kids. So point your attention, now this is the part, if you can get this nugget that I'm going to talk to you about here, this will help you immensely. Point your attention elsewhere. Real simple. I want to be practical. Point your attention elsewhere. Think about, if you think about something long enough, it won't be long before you go there. You, you can change the direction of your thoughts and refocus on something else. You can shift your attention. Everybody has that ability. James 1, 14, 15 says this, but each person is tempted... When they're dragged away and enticed by their own evil desires. It says, after desires conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And death takes over in a lot of different dimensions in our life. So temptation is a pull on our evil thoughts, wishes. Talking about our thought life here, the evil thoughts lead us to evil actions. Temptation starts in the thoughts. The devil plants thoughts. Gets our attention. Starts in the mind. What gets your attention gets you. Boy, we, we got to get this. If you're texting and driving, we know that's been a problem. It causes accidents. Why? Ding! The bell goes off. Oh, just, just real quick. All of a sudden, collision. Mine's the same way. Ding! Thought goes off. Whoop! Head in that direction. Shouldn't be going that direction, but I'm staying with it. Collision. All right? Took her eyes off the road, took my thoughts off, and got them on something 
gets us every time. There is a pattern, right? There's attention, then there's arousal, then there's action. Something grabs our mind, then there's a sense of emotion kicking in. Oh, this could be exciting. Oh, yeah, okay, and maybe this, and then action. The secret is you got to catch it at the beginning. That you got to catch at a t- at the attention stage, so you don't 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 fight the attention or the temptation that's diverting uh, your attention to something else. Uh, you got to approach it differently. That's why I said worship God, pray to God, run to God, keep God in your sights. Because Second Corinthians ten five says this: Take every thought captive and make you obedient to Christ. This thought, Lord, is not honoring to you. I'm going to redirect it to you. And you may, you may not be in control of your circumstances. You may not be able to control uh, the people around you. You may not be able to control your emotions all the time. But there's one thing that every person can control, and that's what you choose to think about. That's why this is so powerful. As a man thinketh in the heart, so is he, the Bible says. Uh, some of you might be thinking, well, the Bible says, doesn't the Bible say resist temptation? No, it doesn't. It says resist the devil. He's the one who's tempting. And Jesus lays out a perfect, beautiful example in the scriptures of how he did this. Fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he's in the wilderness, he's really hungry, the devil comes to him and says, why don't you turn these stones to bread? Hmm, you could just eat. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to resist hunger, resist hunger, I'm not going to be hungry, I'm not going to be hungry, I resist hungry. Oh boy, that sure sounds good. I'm not going to resist. No, what he did was he says, he, he puts his attention on, the, on God and the word of God, he says, man will not live by uh, bread alone, but every, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice he directly attention was on the right thing, and he moved through powerfully. Divert your attention because, again, what gets your attention gets you. Don't argue with the devil, you'll lose. Don't negotiate, you'll lose. You don't tolerate. That's what you do. The temptation calls on your ID, and uh, it says, Temptation! Don't answer. Go do something else. Redirect your attention. The more you fight the feeling, the more it's going to control you in the end. Divert your attention. That's how you got to do it. So, that's a big one. If you can get that alone when it comes to your thought life, I tell you what, you will, 90% of this, you'll, you'll just fly. But don't neglect the other part. Why do you keep thinking on those things that you shouldn't be? What's going on inside of your heart? What is the root issue there that happened maybe a long time ago that you never really addressed? Well, the last one is, and we'll just take a few moments on this, is pick accountability partner. This is huge. It really is. Because some people will never break free because of the stuff they're dealing with. Because they're going at it alone. And some problems you just have to team tackle. You just do. You just got to go after it with somebody that will help you. You can't do it on your own. And if you're unwilling to get an accountability partner when you know you should have one, then the bottom line is you don't really want to change. Sometimes the pain and frustration has to exceed the fear of change before we change. And we don't change, well, because we see the light. No, we change because we feel the heat. (laughs) Right? Isn't that what happened to the Israelites? They would go down paths so far that the enemy was oppressing them and they would feel the heat of the enemy. And then finally God would raise up a judge and they'd say, you were ready, yes, we're ready to change. We'll go back to you, God. And then they would do it again. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, 
either, if either of them falls down, in other words, stumbles from temptation, one can help the other up, but pity the one who falls down and has no one to help him up. The Bible says it another way, woe to that person. God has wired all of us to need other people. That's part of the, why we're in the body of Christ, his body, knit together, joint and ligament, because we need each other. And we, when we let others into our problems and our hurts and our pains and our sin, let me tell you, it gets real and it gets authentic at that point and it gets liberating. Whenever I'm in a situation where somebody comes to me and says, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody before, I get really excited because I know that they are going to step into amazing life of liberty and freedom and breaking free. I just, they're just right on the cusp of that happening and that's going to be powerful. I'll have the worship team come out. So by, you kick the door open when you start sharing and being honest with somebody. You get the ball rolling. If you hide sin, hide the issue, that only intensifies. But when you share it, you get liberated. It's just a powerful principle. You're also empowered. Because grace, uh, God gives grace to the humble. And believe me, when you talk to somebody, it's a humbling time. But that's when God's grace shows up. When you express your weakness, God says, then you become strong. Because that's when my power comes on you. If it's out of control, then it's controlling you. Then you probably need to talk to somebody. <clears throat> when you talk about it, somehow you just seem to get control of the situation again. And regain your life. You know, as followers of Christ, we're really blessed because, first of all, um, well, we all have the same problems, face the same issues and temptations that everybody else out there faces. That's why when people says, you know, say something, oh, this is really, I'm hard to share this. I'm going to share this with you. It's like, lots of people are dealing with that. It's like, you don't need to be wallowing in guilt. Nothing uncommon to man. It's awesome that you're sharing it because now you're going to get better and get healed. So we all are in that same place, but we have a couple differences. First of all, we have Jesus Christ that we just celebrated the cross and what he accomplished for us at the table, communion. That because of what Jesus has done, he has finished the work. There's nothing more needed than when we come to him, he will finish what needs to happen in us. He sets us free. He liberates us. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit to talk to us, to counsel us, to go with us, to be our comforter, to guide us, to lead us into truth, and to empower us. That's beautiful. What a gift. What a gift you and I have. What a great salvation we have in King, loving, powerful Jesus. But we also have the church. We got each other. We got, we got people around us that are saying, I'm in it with you. We're in this together. This, this place is not a hospital for, I mean, it's not a, a sanctuary for saints. Maybe put it that way. Uh, a hotel for saints. This is a hospital for sinners who are coming in and being honest and being transformed by the power of the living Jesus Christ. That, that's what this place is about. And people being honest, and, yes, and, and moving forward in that. But you know, we, this, this day we live in, we don't have time for the other stuff. And, and nobody's pointing bony fingers at anybody. We, we all have our story. Everybody in here has a story. Everybody here has a past. Thank God we're not defined by it. Amen? We're defined by what Jesus did on the cross and what he is doing right now, currently, and presently. And we are the living church of the living God. And, and we have each other. And, and we're with each other in this fight. Thank God for that. 
So if you're here today and you're in that constant battle, you've got Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got people around you. And for some, maybe it's time to talk to somebody. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you, Lord, even this morning in worship, Lord, where we can take those things that we've been plagued by and we can renounce them. We can loose them from our souls. We can repent. We can say, this day it stops. Doesn't mean we won't maybe have a future battle. We're not perfect. But, Lord, you're the power source and you are on our side. And I pray, God, you would encourage the hearts of your people today that may be in the midst of that fight to stand fast in God and to receive that anointing, that breaker anointing that breaks every yoke because you have brought us out to take us in. There's a place you're taking us, Lord, and we're following you, Jesus. We follow the Lamb wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.